Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. (laughs) This year, uh, 2024, uh, marks my 13th year uh, as a pastor in full-time ministry. Now, I've served as assistant pastor and youth pastor before, so I've been in ministry about 22 years now, but this is my 12th year uh, as pastoring uh, and seven years of pastoring at New Grace Baptist Church. Now, the national average for a pastor at a single church is three and a half years. The length of a time a person pastors completely before leaving the pastorate is six years. So I'm, I'm well past my expiration date, so this is my retirement. No, I'm kidding. Uh, like I'm quitting now. I'm done. No. Um, but so it's been, you know, we've been here for, at New Grace for seven years. I've been pastoring for 13 years. And through the last 13 years, I've experienced some incredible uh, miracles of God. I've seen God do wonderful things uh, through my through the ministry. I've seen God do wonderful things through people. Uh, the fact that we are at New Grace now and we are New Grace now is a miracle of God. Uh, where I remember uh, uh, eight years ago, God spoke to me about New about Grace Baptist Church. And look, I I, I had no idea y'all's church was here. Uh, but I, I, I met one interim pastor a couple years before, but really forgot about it. Uh, and so I just remember, I'm, I, clear as day, I'm sitting in a prayer advance and God tells me I'm going to do something between New Horizon Baptist Church and Grace Baptist Church. I had to Google Grace Baptist Church. Uh, and then I found you had no website. So I had to Google map Grace Baptist Church. And, uh, but I knew God was going to do something. The fact that God has, has brought those two ministries together and for seven years we've been New Grace Baptist Church is just an incredible miracle. I've seen God do incredible things. Uh, had a lot of highs. Uh, as a pastor, experienced a lot of lows as well. Uh, been hurt a lot, been discouraged a lot, been dealing with a lot over these last 12 years. Uh, but despite the problems we face, despite the d- down times I've, we've dealt with, God's blessed us here at New Grace Baptist Church in an incredible way. And I want to spend the next few weeks talking about where I see God taking us as a church as a church body, as a church family, where God, I believe, God wants to take us and what God intends to do through New Grace Baptist Church. And to do that, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. Abraham is one of the most important figures in human history. Not just Christianity, not just Judaism, not just Islam, he is one of the most important figures in human history. He Three major faiths look at Abraham as the father of their faith. That is, over half of the world's population looks to Abraham as the beginning of their faith. Even if you're not a believer, understanding the importance of Abraham to the history of the world is essential. But one thing we need to understand is life didn't just happen to Abraham. Abraham made life happen for him. He didn't just go with the flow. He he stood against his family. He stood against the culture. He stood against society to redefine his future. Abraham was a man that used his life to multiply. 
that used his life to do something greater than just for him. And it shows how God wants to use every one of us. Now, when his story starts, uh, Abraham is really, he's a nothing. He's not even called Abraham. He's called Abram. Now, Abram uh, in Hebrew means exalted father, which is ironic because when we meet Abram, he has no children. Later on in the story of Abram, he, God changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many. But even when his name is changed, he still has no children. It seems like a cruel joke that God is playing on him. His destiny is to have many children. God even tells him, I'm going to bless the world through your children. But he gets older and older and older and still has no children. God and life seem to be mocking him. Now many of us may be in the same spot that we find Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God has a destiny for your life. Every one of us, God has something He wants to do with your life that has eternal significance. And you may feel you know what God's plan is. You may feel you know where God wants to lead you or what God wants to do through you, but things in life keep happening that it makes it harder and harder to fulfill what God expects, what God wants you to do with your life. Now, Abram, he walks a path towards significance in his life. He walks a path towards multiplication in his life. And it's a path that every single one of us need to take. You know, we all yearn for our lives to mean something greater than ourselves. Larry Walters, in 1982, Larry Walters had a dream for 20 years that he was able to fulfill in 1982, he had the dream of flying. But he was a truck driver, uh, didn't really have access to planes or anything else, so he was never really able to go flying, had no ever opportunity. But in 1982, he purchased 42 weather balloons, a lawn chair, some rope, and a BB gun. He filled the balloons with helium, strapped himself to the lawn chair, took the BB gun so he could shoot the balloons down and, and leave, and had someone cut the ropes. He had planned to float up to about 6,000 feet, look around for a little bit, and then slowly descend back to earth. Well, they cut the ropes, and he shot up 16,000 feet. Uh, 16,000 feet is where planes go. And as a matter of fact, four planes caught him on radar and called into air traffic control because they had no idea what it was. One plane actually saw him and was very confused when he called. You can see here the recording where he calls into air traffic control in Los Angeles and says, I, I think there's a guy in a chair up here. Uh, very weird. So Larry, of course, he's up at 16,000 feet. 16,000 feet, it's very cold up there. Uh, there's not much oxygen up there. He did take with him some sandwiches to eat. He had a, a Coke bottle to drink. And when he finished the drink in the hook bottle, so he used the bathroom, but he thought, okay, I'm 16,000 feet up. He shot out seven of his balloons before he dropped his BB gun. Larry is in a difficult situation. Thankfully, though, shooting out seven weather balloons was exactly the right amount for him to slowly come back to Earth. By the time his journey was over, he traveled half a mile on land, but 16,000 feet in the air. He landed, he was a little cold, he was sunburned, but he was okay. The FAA tried to charge him, but they had no idea what to charge him with. 
Because they had no... Now, now they have rules about strapping yourself to a lawn chair with balloons and shooting yourself up in the air, but then they had no rules. You know, Larry's one of those people you see, like, on the, the, the hair dryer, don't use in the bathtub. Like, what idiot that did something to make them have to put... Larry's the reason there's a rule you can't shoot yourself up at 16,000 feet in the air in a weather balloon anymore. But Larry, he was so bored with life... He straps himself to a chair full of balloons and, and flies. He didn't just sit by and let life go by. He had a dream and he fulfilled it. Now, we can debate whether that was the smartest thing to do, but hey, he survived, he had no charges against him, and he got to see the world from 16,000 feet. So maybe Larry was a pretty smart guy. Uh, but that was what we see in the life of Abraham. So look in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start reading verse number 1. <clears throat> Genesis 12 verse 1, the Bible says, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now Abraham's story, it really begins in Genesis chapter 12, right after the, the Tower of Babel. Of course, after the flood, Noah and his, fam his uh, sons and their wives, they exit the ark and they reestablish civilization. A couple hundred years go by, and humanity has kind of gathered itself in the valley of Babel. And they decided that they wanted to build a tower to heaven so they could walk with God. It was a symbol of their rejection of God. They were declaring their independence of God. It was a very dark time, and God, to punish humanity, He confounds the language and scatters man all across the world. And there's one family uh, line that remained faithful to God, uh, but they lived in a very idolatrous place. Terah is the last man in the line of Shem. And he has one son, Abram, who has no children. So it seems like the end of the line of Shem's family. Terah's name also means moon. Uh, it's a Hebrew word which is a metaphor for the end of something. So his name even means the end of a line. They live in Ur, and in Ur of the Chaldees, the people worship the moon. And so his name not only is metaphorical of the end of a line, but it also kind of shows how far the family has gotten from God, how, how deep they have kind of allowed themselves to be controlled by the culture. Uh, as Genesis 11 ends, uh, the end of God's chosen people seems to be right there. They're surrounded by idolatry. They have no children. Darkness seems to have completely swallowed up the light of God. And in the middle of this darkness, God calls a man that barely knows him a man that has no children, and tells him that he's going to take this man from his family, from his home, and he's going to make him a great nation. That these people will worship and serve God faithfully and true, and that because of this family, the entire world will be blessed. That's a promise that we've all inherited. You know, one of Abraham's descendants was Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we are offered salvation. 
And as believers, we take the, the, the gospel to a lost and dying world. Abraham's promise becomes our promise, and his life serves as an example and a model for us. His call presents us with three questions we need to answer for ourselves this morning. Here's the first question we need to ask. Number one, am I really following God? I forgot to change that. Don't worry about it, Connor. I forgot to change the... the don't worry. Go back to just multiply. Go back one. All right. You can stop paying attention now because whoever did the slideshow forgot to put my points in there. That's me. Uh, so here's the point. Am I really following God? This is a question about who is really in charge of your life. Is God in complete and total control? Or are we trying to control our lives for ourselves? Abram offered God a blank check with his life. He didn't put any restrictions on God. He didn't put any limitations on God. All that he had, all that he was, all that he ever hoped to be, he offered to God to use for his glory. The promise that God gave Abram was an open-ended promise. Look at it again. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't tell Abram where he was going. He didn't say, hey, I'm taking you to Canaan, a land of milk and honey. I'm taking you to a promised land. He just said, Abram, leave everything you know, leave everyone you know, just follow me and I'll show you where you're going to go. Go and I'll show you later. God told Abram, go. And Abram asked, where? And God said, I'll show you. God said, I'll make you a great father. Abram says, how? I'm 75 years old. I have no children. God said, just follow me and I'll take care of the details. John Calvin summarized God's call to Abram this way. Just close your eyes and take my hand. I'll take care of everything else. Most of us are unwilling to do that. We are unwilling to go to God and say, God, everything I have, everything I am, everything I ever will be or ever will have is yours. You show me what to do and I'm just going to follow you. I don't need the details. I'll just follow you. We want to know where God's going to send us before we surrender to Him. God, I'll surrender to world missions, but only if you send me to a a nice location. You know, I'll go serve the Lord in the Caribbean all day and all night, but I ain't going to my, I ain't going to the you know the, to the to Russia. It's too cold over there. Lord, I'll serve you in Hawaii, but Lord, I ain't I ain't going to one of these hard countries. It's just too difficult. Lord, I'll, I'll do this, but we want to know where God wants to send us before we, we go. We want to know what's going to happen before we surrender. If we surrender to God, will we have to change our career? If we surrender to God, will we have to give some of our finances to Him? If we surrender to God, will we have to change some part of our life that we're not ready to get rid of? We want to know exactly where God is leading us before we agree to follow Him. We don't want to get out of the driver's seat and let God be in control. You know, I've seen bumper stickers before, you know, God is my co-pilot. God shouldn't be your co-pilot. God's the pilot. And look, here's the thing. It's not God's the pilot and you're the co-pilot. It should be God's the pilot and your cargo. You just go where He says go. You do what He says do. You don't, but that we don't want God to have complete control. We want to have control and say, okay, God, you can make suggestions. But I'm going to make the final determination. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, God isn't a GPS that you can ignore, and just when you take a turn, it, doesn't, it says recalculating. 
You know, that's what I love about my GPS. It, can, it, it gives me all, uh, now, of course, before, you know, some of you younger generation, y'all don't understand what it was like before uh, GPS devices that you put in your car that weren't that great. We had MapQuest, and you had to print out directions, step-by-step directions. Before MapQuest, you know what we did? We had an atlas. And if it wasn't updated, guess what? You would get lost. You had maps that you could unfold, but you could never put those stupid things back the way they came. Uh, it was just ridiculous. But we won't, you know, now I get on my, my phone, I put my GPS up there, and it gives me all kinds of routes I can take. It, I know where I'm going, but it gives me the choice. Maybe this, is a, maybe this is three minutes faster. Maybe this is the same amount of time, but a quicker route. And so I have options. That's how we want to treat God. God, you, you know, I'm going to give you the options about what I want to do. And God, God doesn't want us to f- just follow Him and... Let us make decisions. God wants to drive us where He wants us to go. He demands and He deserves total surrender. We want to know the what of His will. God, what are you going to have Him to do? God says all we need to know is who we're following. That's all Abraham knew. All Abraham knew was I'm following God. Where I'm going, I don't know. How I'm going to get there, I don't know. What's going to happen along the way? I don't know, but I know who I'm following. And that's all that matters. This, is a, this call is a personal one. Now, chapter 11, it ends with Abraham's family leaving Ur of the Chaldees for Canaan, the promised land. They stop halfway there and settle down. So they're going where God wants them, but they, they quit halfway there and just stop. And God comes to Abraham and says, follow me all the way. He'd already gone halfway, but no one wanted to go any further. So God's call was literally him telling Abram, Abram, you're going to go by yourself. You're going to leave your family. You're going to leave your friends. You're going to leave everything you know and just follow me. At some point... You're going to have to decide for yourself if you're going to follow God. It's not enough just to be part of a Christian family or a Christian movement. Some of you you younger kids here, some of you young adults or teenagers, you're going to have to make a decision one day, are you going to follow God for yourself? Are you going to do what God wants you to do? Or are you just, are you just here because your family's here? And that's what you do. You know, Mom and Dad go to church, I live with them, so I've got to go with them. That's fine for now, but you're going to have to decide for yourself. Are you going to follow God on your own or not? Some of you older folks who already... you It's not enough just to be part of a church that's trying to do something for God. You've got to decide, am I going to do something for God on myself? You have to decide if you're going to, for yourself, if you're going to follow God. We want to do a lot at New Grace to fulfill God's mission here in Roanoke. And in the world, you know, we have our community covered. That's a tremendous blessing. Uh, we have Sunday school classes. We have children's church programs. We have teen programs. We have a lot of property and a lot of buildings that I want to see, that I believe God wants to use to reach the lost with the gospel. Right now, we support seven missionaries around the world. We want to support more. That's why we're having a missions emphasis month. This year, we want to support more. When I lay out plans of what I think God wants us to do, God wants us to do this. God wants to help with Straight Street. God wants to help with Love Life. God wants us to do this. Man, people get excited because the church is doing something for God, but no one really wants to give up of themselves to accomplish what God's called us to do. 
When I say that, I'm not saying, when I say God's called our church to do this, it's not God's called me to do this, it's God's called our church. And if you're part of the church, guess what? That includes you. It's not enough just to be part of a movement. You've got to move yourself. You've got to do it yourself. God doesn't reward us for associating with good people. God rewards us for getting involved in ourselves. So don't piggyback on engagement in the mission. Get involved in the mission. Abraham decided, I am going to follow God myself. Ask yourself, am I following God or am I just along for the ride? Second question, <clears throat> need to ask yourself. Number two, where is my security found? Where do I find my security? God wasn't asking Abram to make room in his life for God to work. He was calling Abram to an entire new life where God was his everything. In this culture, in this time, family and property were the most important thing. If you had family, you had someone to take care of you, especially as you got older. If you had property, you had an income. And you had security. And you had retirement. And you had all the things that we don't have today. Uh, you had security in those things. And so God is calling him to leave everything. Abraham, leave your family. Leave your property. Leave whatever wealth you've accumulated. Leave everything behind and trust me only. This is God, the equivalent of God telling you to walk away from your job, sell your house, Take whatever family you're married to, or if you're not married at all, leave your family and go serve on a foreign mission field somewhere. That's what God is calling Abraham to do. Our security is not found in the things of the world because things of the world are going to go away. They're going to fail you. Your security is in your health. Guess what? You can lose your health tomorrow. Your security is in your job. Guess what? You can lose your job Tomorrow. Well, I got a great retirement account. My, uh, my 401k is, is awesome. Great. You ever seen the stock market tank? It could be gone tomorrow. I knew people that put all their security in Bitcoin. Seemed like geniuses for a while, but then the market tanked. And, get, and now they're putting security in, in, in FTs, which are like stickers that you can't own. Or, I don't know. Uh, but anyway... Your security is only found in God. God is the only thing we can put our faith and our trust in that will never let us down. We need to trust Him with everything we are and everything we have. And look, you can know that there's an area that you do not trust God with, that He is not your security, if there's an area that you don't want to give up, if you don't want to surrender to Him, if you don't trust Him with your finances because you refuse to give tithes and offerings, then you don't trust Him there. He's not where your security is found. If there's a relationship that we don't want to surrender to Him, well, if I really get close to God, there's this friend of mine that He's going to make me get out of my life because they're a bad influence. There's this, this girl or this guy that you know, I'm, I'm kind of flirting with, and if I, if, I get, if I get close to God, I'm going to have to give that up, and I don't want to do that. Then you're not surrendered to God. Whatever you say, not this. We don't trust Him, and we don't find our security in Him. And here's, here's what I never understood about that. As a believer, we trust God 
with our eternal soul. We trust that God became a man and dwelt among us. We trust that God lived a perfect, sinless life because we never could. We trust that He died on the cross absorbing the wrath of God for my sin and for your sin and for the world's sin. That He took the punishment I should have taken. That He took the wrath of God that was due me. That He went to hell so I wouldn't have to. We trust that He was buried and rose three days later to redeem us to God the Father. We put our faith and trust in that truth, that we believe that's true, and that, we, that He's going to take us to heaven when we die. We trust Him with our eternal soul. But we don't trust Him with the things of the earth. We don't trust Him with our finances. We don't trust Him with our relationships. We don't trust Him with our job. We don't trust Him to lead us to where, to where He wants us to go in life, which is best for Him and us. We trust Him with our soul, but nothing else. Where is your security? Is your security in God? Or is your security in stuff? Third question, we need to ask ourselves, do I let God multiply my blessings? See, being a Christian means that you look at everything you have in life, any resources you have, any property you have, any talent you have. Everything you have in life is a tool for God to use for His kingdom. God is a great giver. God is a good Father that loves to give gifts to His children. But He doesn't bless us simply for us to have a good life and nice things. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you driving a nice car. There's nothing wrong with you living in a nice house. There's nothing wrong with you having a nice you know, retirement account. I'm not saying that if, if you've got a retirement account and you don't trust God. No, God gives us these things for wisdom. God get, you know, wants us to provide for these. So I'm not saying that. But He doesn't give us all this stuff just for us to have nice things and do good, th- you know, pleasant things for ourselves and go on vacation. He blesses us so we can offer it back to Him and He can use the gifts He has given us to multiply them for others. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and supplies bread for your food will also multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God blesses you to multiply your seed for His kingdom and for His glory. Look at everything you have as a seed to be sown for God's kingdom. For God's use. There's two things you can do with the seed. You can grind it up, make food for it, out of it, and eat it. That's, that's how we get bread, by the way. It's ground up seeds, made into flour, baked. So you can grind it up, bake it, eat it, and fill yourself for a day. Or you can plant it and allow it to multiply. God's given you a seed to sow for Him, to multiply for His kingdom, and for His glory. You know, one of the, my favorite stories in the New Testament is one day Jesus is in the temple and He's watching the offering. And there's all these wealthy people, these Pharisees coming in with making a great show of how much money they're bringing. Oh, I'm giving $100 to the church. Oh, I'm bringing $1,000 to the church. I'm giving $10,000 to the church. And they're just making, you know, the, oh, look, I've got all this money and I'm doing so much for God. And then this little widow woman doesn't make a big show, just kind of sneaks in, throws in what is equivalent 
of two cent. She gives two pennies. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, that woman gave more than anybody else. Oh, but we got a... We got, you know, we got Warren Buffett here. Is Warren Buffett still alive? We got Warren Buffett here who gave a million dollars. Oh, we got Bill Gates who gave five million dollars. Oh, we got, you know, Elon Musk who's nuts, but he gave ten million dollars. But this woman gave two cents. Jesus says she gave more than anyone else. She wasn't financially blessed like the other givers, but Jesus said she gave more than everyone else. God never asks you to give what you don't have. God's never gonna, God's never gonna come to me and lay on my heart to give $50,000 to the church. Cause I ain't got it. Can't get blood out of a turnip. He's never gonna ask you to give what you don't have. That's what, you know, some churches, and I always hate talking about money, but some churches I know every year they do this big money push, and I've known some pastors who are like, you know, you need to second mortgage your house to give it all. No. I'm never gonna ask you to do that. Because I think that's, ridiculous and foolish and not trusting God. So God's never going to ask you to give what you don't have. God's just going to ask you to offer what you do have to Him. You may not have much, but you got something. And again, I'm not, not just financially. You've got talents that God's given you. You've got time God has given you. You've got treasure God has given you. You've got pain. Look, your pain can be offered to God as a testimony of His grace and His mercy. Your prosperity can be offered to Him as an advancement for the advancement of His kingdom. In the Christian life, nothing is wasted. God can take anything that we offer to Him and multiply it for His glory and for His kingdom. When you sow in God's field, He increases it for His use, for His kingdom. God uses you to bless others in a way that they thank God because of you. You know, God uses you to help plant churches all over the world so that people that we will never meet can be saved. We're, we're helping uh, support a church in North Africa where Muslims are being saved, that we would never have an opportunity to go, go meet. We got, we, God's using us to help churches in Africa, and churches in the Philippines, and churches in Central America, where people that we would never have an opportunity to meet can hear the gospel and be saved. God uses what we sow for His glory. God uses us to reach the lost in our area and invite them to church. God uses us to feed and to clothe the broken in the community. God uses us to keep His property going. God gave Abraham a choice that He gives to us as well. Hold on to what you have and end your life empty. Or give what you have to God and see your life be filled. If you want to live a safe life, you can but you're never going to be used by God. But if you open your hands and give all that you have and all that you are to Him, He'll use it beyond your greatest expectations. God has blessed us incredibly here at New Grace. We've got, I believe, some of the greatest people in God's kingdom. I honestly believe that. We, we've had some duds over the years, but they're gone, thank God. Some, some pains in the rear, they're gone. Y'all aren't much of a pain to me anymore. Thank you for that. But I believe we've got some great people. God's given us great property to use, given us opportunities to be used by Him. But those blessings 
bring a responsibility with them that we have to use them for His glory, not ours. We can't sit on them. We have people to reach in Roanoke. We have missionaries to support. We have work to do for God's kingdom. So you have to ask yourself these questions. Have you surrendered to Him? Or are you still trying to control your own life? Do you trust Him with everything or are you holding something back? Whose kingdom are you living for? Now look, I believe honestly, our church is at a crossroads. We can settle in, get comfortable, and just sail through until either we all die or Jesus comes back. Hopefully the second one happens real soon. We can just cruise on by or we can say whatever time we have left, whether he comes back tomorrow or in 20 years or whatever, whatever time we have left, we're going to surrender to him and allow him to use us to build his kingdom. We can build his kingdom or our kingdom. Which is it going to be? And here's how I'm going to ask you to do it. We've got some sign-up sheets in the foyer. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done around here. And again, I'm trying to not just, I'm not just, not just clean it up and mowing the grass and all that. that. That needs to be done. But we have classes to be taught. We have children we're trying to disciple. We have teenagers we're trying to disciple. And so we've got several teams out there. Cleaning team, maintenance team, lawn team, teaching team, outreach team. A lot of teams. Here's the thing. I know when I say stuff like, hey, we need people to join the cleaning team. Most of you, rightfully so, are thinking, I can't give up one day a month or one day a week, come and spend hours cleaning the church. And I get that. We are all stupid, super busy. But here's the thing. Can you do anything? Janice and Diane, every, every Sunday, they take out the trash. They can't vacuum the church. They can't clean the whole church, but they can, they can do that. Some of you are like, well, I can't, I can't give up a whole day to clean the whole church, but Sunday night after church, while I'm waiting on my kid, I can vacuum the foyer. I can clean the bathroom once a month if it's here. I can, I can do this. Whatever you can do. Well, I can't come and mow the grass every, every week. Well, can you, can you run a weed eater once a month? Well, I can't, I, can't, I can't fix all the stuff around here. Well, maybe you can't fix something. I can't teach a class. Great. Can you be a sub? Can you be a substitute teacher? Can you step up and say, I'm, I'll do whatever God has me to do for His glory. Every single one of you have gifts and talents that God has given you to build His church. I'm asking you to use them. I'm asking you to step up and say, this is what I'll do. I'll give of myself for this. And again, I'm not going to ask you to give a lot. I'm not going to ask you to climb up on the roof. Ain't nobody climbing on this roof. You ever, you ever try to get on this roof? I've got to get on this roof. The only person dumb enough to get on that roof is Reggie, and I'm not going to let him. Reggie would be like, I'll climb up there. It's a 14-12 pitch. No. Uh, I'm never going to ask you to do that, but hey... And that, like this morning, Rob came in early and he fixed the sink downstairs in the in the kitchen. Thank you for that. And that's all that that's all that needs to be done. Hey, maybe I can come in and change the light bulb. I'll come in and, and you know Sunday night when I'm waiting on my kids, I'll I'll vacuum something. I'll clean the toilet. I'll I'll restock the bathroom with toilet paper because I don't know. If, I, I did this on purpose. The men's bathroom was out for about a month. I think the ladies' room's out too. I'm going to see how long you ladies complain before someone's like, "Where's the toilet paper?" I'll tell you where it is. You can go get it. Uh, but hey, I'll step up and I'll do this. 
God's called you to something. Figure out what it is and surrender to it. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.